Well, good morning. You know, um, a few years ago, I was meeting with one of my friends. This is a good friend of mine. And she had asked if we could get together and we could talk through some things. She was um, evaluating whether or not to make a career move. And this would have implications for where she might live and her finances and where her kid would go to school. Um, And so she wanted to talk through it. She wanted a sounding board. And I thought that sounded like a great idea. And I said, yes, I would love to talk with you about this. And so we sat and we talked for a while, and I felt like I really started to understand the nuances of her situation and some of the complexities of it. And, um, you know, after we had been talking, there was, you know, just a break in the conversation, just as normally happens. And I really took this pause as an opportunity. And I turned to my friend, and I looked at her, and I I just was very serious and earnest And because this is a true story, I have to tell you what I actually said to her. I turned and I looked and I said, you know, I really think that if you just let me make this decision for you, that this is all going to turn out really great. Like, I actually said that out loud to my friend. I was basically like, I've got this, right? Like, don't worry, I can make this decision for you. And so I was thinking about that this week, and I, I just wondered if you could relate to that. I don't actually wonder if you've been in the situation. I'm sure that you have not gotten yourself into that situation. But I wondered if you could actually relate to it. Because I think that actually most of us can relate to being both of the friends in that conversation. Because we really wrestle with decisions in our lives. right? Things like we're just wondering, how could I maybe improve my marriage? Or how do I navigate this really tricky friendship? Or what should I spend my money on? Is this an appropriate amount of money to spend on myself, right? Or is now a good time to retire? Or what should I do with my free time? We wrestle with this everyday stuff in our lives. And I think, too, when we look at other people's lives, a lot of times we actually think, you know, I think I know what would be good for you, right? I think that I have a good idea about how you should navigate that relationship or who you should be dating or how you maybe should be parenting. And we do think that, you know, I could probably come up with a list of things. And if you do these things and avoid these things, you'll probably be good, right? I've got you. I can, I can do this. I've got this. And so I think that what we maybe should be wrestling with this morning is how do we actually make decisions, Not only the big decisions, like, Lord, what is your grand will for my life? But in the everyday stuff, boots on the ground, when we're walking out life, how do we make choices in our relationships and with our money and with what we're going to post online and in the conflict in our workplace or in who we're going to invite to dinner, right? How do we make these kinds of choices in our lives? Um, As Pastor Kyle mentioned, we're in the middle of a sermon series right now about the Holy Spirit. And so I really want us this morning to look practically at what does it mean for us as Christians to be following the Holy Spirit in our decision-making, especially how can we be people who are Spirit-led. And to help us do that, I want us to start with what I think is a given. And by that, I mean something that I think and hope that we all will agree on. And then I want to move into a goal that is something that I hope that we'll all be working towards. And this is the given. This is what I think and hope that we all can agree on. And that is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You and I are filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have been made alive in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so all of us are actually carriers of the presence of God. The same Spirit who was hovering over the waters at creation, who has coexisted with the Father and the Son for all of eternity. This God actually lives inside of me and inside of you. If you ever just sit and think about it, it'll, it could just blow your mind. If you just sit and actually meditate on that and think, the God of the universe makes his dwelling in me. Who can understand that? Who can comprehend it? And yet it's true. Paul, who was one of the earliest Christians, um, wrote letters to a number of churches. And we have these letters, or a number of them, and they make up a lot of the New Testament. And in these letters that he wrote, um, Paul talks a lot about the Holy Spirit and specifically talks about the reality of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. In one of the letters um, that he wrote to a guy named Timothy, this is in 2 Timothy 1.14, he actually just explicitly says, the Holy Spirit lives in us. In another letter that he wrote um, to a church at Corinth, this is in 1 Corinthians, he says that you are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. He just states it outright. And then in another of the books that he wrote, or the letters, um, Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I just want to pause at this point, um, be filled with the Holy Spirit, at this in Ephesians, because the first two that I read, um, the first two verses, are really talking about the fact that we're filled. But Ephesians actually adds a little something to it, because it really talks about the way that we're filled. So the two words in English, be filled, are actually translated from one Greek word, and that's a, an, a verb, and a verb is an action word. So I'm going to give you just a little grammar lesson here. Don't worry, you're going to love it. Um, okay, so in, in, in Greek and in, in a number of languages, verbs are action words, and they can be active or they can be passive. And in an active verb, you are the one doing something. I hit the ball. Okay, and in a passive verb, the action is being done to you. I was hit by the ball. Okay, so in an active verb, you're doing something. In a passive verb, something's being done to you. Be filled is a passive verb, which means this is not a doing action. This is a receiving action. And by the way, this is not the only place that this is um, in the New Testament. It's often this um, passive verb. Okay, here's why this is important. Because Paul is not actually telling people to work really hard to accomplish something, to be really good or act really holy. And if you do, maybe you could lasso the Holy Spirit and pull him down and you could be filled with him. This is a passive thing where he's not saying, go ahead and do something. All you have to do is to be filled because it makes a difference, doesn't it? If you're the one who's trying to fill up with the Holy Spirit or if the living Spirit of God is actively pouring himself into you. So when Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he is not telling them to do something. He is telling them they have already received someone. 
When he says, be filled, this is not a command. He's not saying, do something. He's reminding them they have already received someone. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a given. You have already received this person of God as a deposit within you, which means you don't have to do something to to actively be filled. All you have to do is to position yourself in the sphere of God's movement and his activity and his power and to recognize that you already have within you everything that you need for every good work that God has put in front of you to do. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a given. So what does that mean for us? As we think about um, making decisions, as we think about practical life, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, carriers of God's presence. I want us to look at Galatians 5 as we think about this, um, because I think that this um, has some insights for us. And so we're going to camp out in Galatians 5. And just a little background about Galatians. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that was arguing, and they were trying to decide what was required of people in their community. And that's kind of saying it nicely, Um, because basically there was a group of Jewish Christians who had started to teach that in order to be included in their church, you had to culturally become Jewish. Okay, and so this would include things like being circumcised. That's often what's listed, but it could include other things as well, right? So they had come up with kind of Judaism 2.0, and they were like, this is what you have to do in order to be included in the church and to receive the grace of Jesus. And so Galatians is Paul's response to that. And Paul just comes out red hot, right? He is full on guns blazing. He comes out and is basically saying to them, y'all go ahead and knock it off. Okay, that's in the Bible. You can look it up. It's worded a little differently, but this is what he is saying. He's reminding them, we do not live by the law. There is not a list of behaviors or rules or things that we do in order to achieve God's grace. Right, so we, have, we now live by the Spirit. We have the Spirit living in us. So every marker that we would use to classify people as in or out has been done away with. So the only way that we would know whether or not people are included as gods, it's based not on this stuff. It's based entirely on our trust in Jesus and the fact that we have received the Holy Spirit. It's not based on a list of stuff. And what they had done is they had taken the grace of Jesus and they had bundled it together with a bunch of other stuff that was culturally important to them. It was things that they liked and that they wanted, and so they were trying to get other people to conform to the way that they did things, right? If you'll just be more like me, if you'll just act like this, you could be good. This is the right way. This is how you could be successful. This is how you'll fit in here. Don't worry, I've got this, right? I can make this decision for you. Now, a generous interpretation of why they were doing this would be that they were just so eager for people to experience life to the full that they had experienced that they kind of accidentally intertwined their cultural preferences with the gospel. A maybe less generous and I might argue perhaps more realistic um, way to understand this is that they just wanted to be in charge, They wanted to be in control and to make the decisions because isn't this what humanity has wrestled with since forever, right? Since the Garden of Eden, we have been the ones who have wanted to decide what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil, who's in and who's out. So let's see what Paul says here. Um, We're going to start reading in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 16. 
And Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul uses this term flesh a lot, and what he is referring to is really the broken nature that we all share. Okay, we are weak, and we are cruel, and we are self-focused, and we are unkind, and we are broken. We are so broken, in fact, that we cannot fix ourselves. We require the radical intervention of a Savior to deliver us from our brokenness. This is the message of the gospel. And so Paul is writing to them and reminding them of what Jesus came to do and what he ushered in. And, and see, here's the thing about the gospel is that following a list of rules was doomed to failure. And so Jesus has actually brought a new way. And so we no longer live by the list of things. We now live by the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And this is good news because the Holy Spirit living in us can do what following a list of things could never do. And that is to actually transform us, to actually change us. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if we want to be people who are led by the Holy Spirit, one of the first things that we can do is to remember that we really, truly are not trying to follow a list of rules. A lot of times it's easy for us to look at Galatians and, you know, the people who were there and we're just like, oh my gosh, they were just such a bunch of dum-dums, right? Like, of course you don't have to be circumcised to follow Jesus. Of course you don't have to follow this list, right? And we're just like, that's obvious, isn't it? But I think that when we're not careful, which is a lot of the time, we actually revert to following a list of things too. Again and again, we think if you do this and you don't do that, if you vote like this, if you say these things and you don't say those things, you get to be one of us, right? When we're generous to ourselves, we think we didn't mean to. But when we're honest, I think sometimes... We just have to say that actually we really like being in control. I was one time, uh, one time I was friends with a girl um, who would tell people pretty often that she had the spiritual gift of helps. That's an actual spiritual gift in the Bible. Um, but she, I think, maybe misunderstood this spiritual gift because what she would do is she would like to go around and tell people that she was helpsing them. And she would like to point out to them the things that they were doing wrong because that was really helpful, or so she thought. And so she had this gift of helps. I think she really didn't. I think she misunderstood it. Okay, but, but here's the thing. I was thinking about her this week. And I, I think that if what happens is when you are looking around and you see other people and you are super aware of the ways that they're broken and you can see the ways that they sin and the ways that they are not conformed to the gospel. And isn't it so good that Jesus came to die for their sins because they sure are a mess. But when we look at ourselves and our own lives, if it's been a while since you have been cut to the heart with your own brokenness, and with the way that you are not conformed to the gospel, I think within this, there is an invitation for us to pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. So let's keep reading and see what the Holy Spirit might be leading us to do. Um, we are in Galatians 5, chapter, I mean, chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, so remember, the main point of this letter in Galatians is to remind people that they are no longer under the law and that they don't have to live by a list of rules or behaviors. So the stuff that Paul is mentioning, these works of the flesh, um, is not a checklist. Okay, this is not something that he wants you to print out and put on your wall and say, check, did that, check, did that, okay? In fact, he says that the works of the flesh are evident. Some translations say obvious, Okay, this is meant to be straightforward. Basically, our flesh and our brokenness is anything that disrupts or breaks down the relationships that God is trying to build, the relationship up with him and our relationships with each other. And so anything that starts carving away at that, right, and tearing that down is something that the Spirit is going to be leading us away from, and he's going to be leading us into greater life. He's going to be leading us to demonstrate more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So this isn't supposed to be complicated or confusing, which doesn't mean that it's easy. But it does mean that these are things that we ought to be paying attention to and could be recognizable to us. And, and by the way, when you look at this list— more than half of the things that he lists as, as the broken parts have to do with our relationships with each other, right? He's basically saying, guys, our nature causes us to have friction with each other. We just, we're not going to be getting along super easily all of the time. And so part of living by the Spirit and following the Holy Spirit is recognizing the Spirit is going to lead us away from these destructive behaviors, from envy and jealousy and rivalries and divisions and moving us into life to the full, where there is more um, fruit of the Spirit in our relationships with love and joy and peace and all those things. So when we start to feel jealous of maybe what someone else has. Or if we start thinking, we just want people to come to our house, to our group, to our gathering, at the expense of someone else. Or if it doesn't really seem to matter to us what happens to other people, to their families, or their businesses, or their well-being, as long as we're taken care of, and our family has what we want and what we need. Or when we want to start insisting that our way is the best way, or the only way, right, I've got this, then this is an invitation for us to stop and to be attentive to the ways that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, leading us away from those destructive things and moving us away from self-centeredness and ego and pride and moving us towards greater love, greater peace, greater joy, and seeing where that is going to show up in our lives. The last verse um, that I want us to read is Galatians 5, 25. And this says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, this is kind of the crux of it. I want to read this again. If we live by the Spirit, which we do, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, we live by the Spirit. Remember, this is the given. Um, we have been made alive in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are made alive by the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. And Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, then let's keep in step with the Spirit. 
So remember, we were talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit as something that's passive. This is something that the Lord does for us. Well, keeping in step with the Spirit, this one is active. Okay, so this is something that we do. This is something that we are invited to participate in. So how are we going to do that? Okay, so this is key. Keeping in step with the Spirit is actually being willing to be led and not to lead. Okay, this is what it means for us to be in step with the Spirit. It means that we are willing to follow and not to lead. Most of us are used to being leaders, right, in our families, in our jobs, whether it's based on our position or our experience or our knowledge or any number of things. Our society really values taking charge. And I'm, I'm not saying that God wants you to be lazy or that leading is bad, okay? But what I am saying is that the idea of waiting and of being led and of submitting ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit is critical to keeping in step with the Spirit, okay? In order to do this, in order for us to follow the Holy Spirit, we have to actually pay attention, okay? So if we want to be people who are following and we want to be people um, who are not leading but who are being led, that means that we have to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying and how he is actually leading us. So unfortunately for me, maybe for you, um, following the Spirit is not only using our really good analytical skills, So honestly, I'm just, you know, it bothers me a little bit that Paul didn't say that what we should do is just look through the scriptures and find some good examples and follow their example, right? Follow their leading. Because I could do that. I could take that and I could run with it, but then I'd be in charge again. So what he is saying is that we actually have to follow, which means we have to pay attention, right? Which means for us that I can't just spend my 10 minutes in the morning praying and reading the Bible and then just go about my day leading the way that I would, would want to. We want to be people who are attentive to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us the whole time. So throughout our days, that means paying attention while we're in traffic, when we're deciding how to spend our money, when our daughter calls us crying, when our friend just goes radio silent, when our husband gets a bad diagnosis, right? In these moments throughout our day, we pause and we pay attention and we say, Holy Spirit, how are you at work here? What are you doing here and how can I join you? How can I participate in what you're doing? Right, how do you want me to demonstrate love or joy or kindness or patience or peace, right? How is the fruit of your Holy Spirit gonna show up here in this situation? And we not only pay attention, but we pay attention in a community of other people who are also paying attention, right? This is, this is the goal here. We want to be people who encourage each other to pay attention, who can be sounding boards to each other, and who, who can even challenge each other when we say, you know, I'm not really sure that that's what the Holy Spirit's doing, right? Let, let's, let's check again. Let's pay attention together because we want to be people who together are are paying attention and following the Holy Spirit, right? This is the given. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this then is our goal, is to be people who are led by the Holy Spirit. Our goal really is not to be well-behaved people. Our goal is not to even be really smart people who have great plans that we ask God to bless. I just really feel like I want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is not the wind beneath our wings, 
Okay, that is not a thing. God isn't in the business of just amplifying our great plans. And Jesus did not rise from the dead in order to follow us in what we are doing. Sometimes we get this the wrong way around, right? The the Holy Spirit is so much bigger and so much grander and so much better than we ever dared to dream. And this God of the universe who loves us and gave himself for us has actually sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. And he has invited us to follow. So actually, I want to end the sermon by doing something a little different. And in a minute, I'm just going to invite you to stand. Um, And I just want us to think about, like, can you imagine what it would be like if we all grabbed a hold of this a bit more? Like, what would South Park Church look like if we all, like, when we were together every time, we were just like, hey, how's the Holy Spirit leading you? Right? How are, how are we following the Spirit together? I'm not saying we don't do that. I'm saying, can, can you imagine if this were just, like, at the forefront all the time of what we were trying to do together? If the church broadly were doing this to even greater levels? Because the thing is, we don't have to worry about chasing down the Holy Spirit and being filled. That's what God does for us and to us. He fills us. But what we need to do is to actually focus on following him. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite you to stand, and we're just going to pray a simple prayer together. So why don't, let's do that now. I just want, if you would, if as you're able, just to stand. And I don't know um, if you normally would do this, but I want you, I want to invite you to actually put your hands out like this. And there's nothing really magical or special about standing this way, except that it's almost like a prayer with our bodies where we're responding and saying, Lord, we want to be open to you and to everything that you have for us. We want to receive what you have. And so I just want to invite you even to stand like this while I'm praying this prayer over us. So Lord, we thank you for the way that you love us. We thank you for saving us and we thank you for sending your spirit to live in us. And God, we come and we simply ask, will you help us to be attentive to the ways that your spirit is at work in us? Will you fine tune our hearing so that we can hear what you're saying, so that we can see what you're doing? And will you grow us in our boldness and in our confidence and our resolve to step in and to follow you in the ways that you're at work? Lord, we want everything that you have for us. We want to be people who not just are are going in front of you, but who are following you. So help us, Lord, to hear you and to see you and to respond to you. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your love. Help us to grow in our ability to follow you. In Jesus' name.